0: Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Knee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21 year book by book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. And we're delighted to bring you short portions of this spoken ministry on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's life study.
1: As genuine Christians, we all must realize that according to the Bible, our God is a trinity, or triune. This is a marvelous fact that real believers must never compromise on. But how do we explain it, or even how do we understand it? Some say, one God in three distinct and separate persons. But in fact, the Bible never uses the term persons to describe the three of the Godhead. And further, though it absolutely affirms that the three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are distinct, it never conveys the thought that they are separate. Quite the contrary. The three can never be separated, as we'll see today. The triune God can be seen subtly throughout the Bible, as it is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3, you are our letter a letter of Christ ministered by us, inscribed not with ink but with the Spirit of the living God. Bob Danker has joined us for part two of a fellowship that we began yesterday. Bob, good to have you back, and here we are uh, this time touching, oh, is there anything deeper, more mysterious, more profound, or more marvelous than the triune God?
2: Nothing at all, Chris. The triune God is the mystery of mysteries and the wonder of wonders, and without the Bible, we would never know this wonderful person. But as you mentioned in your introduction, the entire Bible reveals the triune God, that God is both one, he's unique, there is only one God, but this one God is also three. At the same time, he is one and three. This is a mysterious. How can we explain it? Well, actually, we cannot explain it, but we can Receive the revelation of the Bible in simplicity and enter into and experience and enjoy this marvelous triune God so that we and he together would become one and would fulfill his eternal plan.
1: Bob, even I think we have a little time here before we go uh, to Witness.ly. We have uh, a little different format today, four very, very short portions of Witness.ly, so we'll have plenty of opportunity to fellowship on these points because we're touching something that has, uh, I would say, been a struggle for theologians, for scholars, for uh, linguists through the centuries to try to really capture what the Bible is saying in some of these difficult passages. So we want to be sure and go slow today so that everyone is brought along. But... The point I wanted to make here as we begin, the whole Bible reveals God is triune, not even just the New Testament. I recall back several years ago doing the life study of Genesis, right at the beginning of the Bible, at least it's uh, intimated, the triune God in verse one of the Bible. In the beginning, God, singular, but then when he's ready to create man, let us, he says, create man in our image. So we see a uh, the 3 oneness, even from the first pages, don't we? That's right. In
2: the very first page of the Bible, we can see that God is, I would say, uni-plural. He is one, yet he is three. Uh, as you mentioned, this verse, uh, Genesis one twenty-six, when God came to the creation of man, he said, let us make man. This means that there was a council or a conference among the three of the triune God, to make a crucial decision Mm. concerning the creation of man. And then the very next verse says, And God created man in his own Own image. image. So in verse 26, you have us and our. In verse 27, you have his. This is the mystery (laughs) of the divine trinity, but it's revealed uh, clearly to us in the Scriptures, and we just need to be very simple and receive this revelation.
1: Now the part that uh, has been difficult, I would say, um, historically, though maybe it was not as difficult early on as it has become, I think, in the more recent centuries, or at least uh, in our modern era, this this seems to be a, a touchy point. Uh, many theologians make a, a very concerted effort to try to systematize theology systematize their understanding of the Bible. We'll touch that later on. But it's uh, this threeness and the distinctness and the separateness that are uh, things that can be stumbled upon. Now, the three of the triune God exist or coexist and have from eternity. Uh, we select a verse here in Matthew chapter three, a well known passage where Jesus is in the water being baptized and Bob why don't you pick up the narrative there to to demonstrate the coexistence of the three in the Godhead? Yes,
2: Chris, the word coexistence means that they exist together at the same time, and in Matthew chapter three, verses sixteen and seventeen, where we can see the baptism of the Lord Jesus, of course, he, as the Son mm-hmm. in humanity, was standing in the water right, and then Uh, the Spirit descended on him like a dove. So we see the Spirit is also in this picture. And then finally, a voice out of heaven could be heard. This was the voice of the Father. So in this uh, scene here, we can see that the three of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, are existing together at the same time. And they even are portrayed as being in three different locations yeah. And so we might think, by looking at this picture or this scene, that the three are not only distinct but also separate because they are in different places. So this might bias or prejudice our concept concerning the triune God. It might lead us into an erroneous thought that the three of the triune God can be not only distinct from one another but also separate
1: Persons. Yeah. Bob, now, a verse that very, I would say, directly uh, challenges that notion of the separateness or, the, or their ability to exist separately and apart from one another is found in John chapter 14, verse 10. This is a verse we'll hear witnessly touch upon in this first segment today. And this verse says, Do you not believe, the Lord Jesus speaking now, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak for myself, but the Father who abides in me. So even he's pointing out that the Father is abiding in him. He's abiding in the Father, and even his words are coming from the Father who's within him. So this uh, shows that they're not separate, doesn't it?
2: That's right, Chris. This is another side of this uh, great mystery. While the Son and the Father are distinct, they also dwell in each other. The Son is in the Father. From eternity to eternity, this is an eternal truth. The Son is in the Father, and the Father is in the Son. The theologians use an expression or a word "co-inherence." Right, they co-inherit, they dwell in each other. So, based upon this verse, uh, we can see that it's impossible to separate the Son and the Father, since they. Dwell in each other or they co inherit. So if we go back to the scene in Matthew, we have to conclude that while the Son was in the water and the Father was in heaven speaking concerning him, right. the Father was also in him At that time. as he stood in the water. Right. And he was in the Father. So both are true. They are distinct,
1: but they can never be separated because they live in each other. Well, we have a long way to go today. We better get with it. Uh, Here's Witness Lee with the first portion, and we'll be touching this very point about distinct, not separate, coexisting, and also co-inhering. Here's Witness Lee.
3: The Bible says, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. And we all are in the Spirit. This is not separate. Yes, the three coexist. So you have the coexistence, but not only so, they coinherit. In the proper, genuine theology concerning the Trinity, there is not only the coexistence, but also even more What What is triune? You all know this Latin "tri" means three, "une." Just like only one. Triune means three, one. Amen. In the eternal divine mathematics, three is one. Why is three.
1: Divine mathematics, Bob, one is three and three is one. Uh, we talked a moment ago and at some length about the coexistence, co-inherence. I think we have covered that, and particularly as it related to the Son and the Father. How about Christ and the Spirit uh, in the same principle?
2: Well, uh, at the beginning of the New Testament, Chris, we can see that the Son is conceived in the womb of the human virgin by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So the Spirit is the one who conceived Christ, the Son, in the womb of Mary. So the Spirit can never be separated from the Son, because when the Son was born out of that womb, the Holy Spirit was His inner essence, was his divine essence. Christ had two natures, the human nature and the divine nature. The Spirit was his divine essence. And also in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Here is the Son as a man, but he's full of the Spirit. Then later on in the same chapter, the Son said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So here the Son is full of the Spirit within and anointed with the Spirit without, on the outside. So here we can see that the Son and the Spirit, although they are distinct, they also cannot be separated.
1: Now, as we progress, Bob, a little later on in the chapter, we began today with uh, verse 3 in 2 Corinthians 3, this verse we had yesterday about the letter being inscribed with the Spirit of the living God, and it's a letter of Christ, so we see the three of the triune God there. We move on in chapter 3. We come to this passage. Let me read it now. And I hope if you're listening, you'll write down this reference. I'm in chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. But whenever their heart turns to the Lord, and in the context, if you go all the way back to chapter 2, you see clearly the Lord here is the Lord Jesus Christ. The veil is taken away, verse 17, and the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting like a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from The Lord Spirit. So here, not only is he filled with the Spirit, but as we have pointed out many times, in resurrection, in a definite aspect, without abandoning the coexisting and co-inhering of the triune God, which is eternal, the Lord Jesus becomes, in resurrection, the life-giving Spirit. And this is the point Witness Lee will underscore in this short portion just ahead.
3: The Lord Christ, verse 16 is the Spirit who pervades and animates the new covenant of which we are ministers. This is a quotation from Vincent's writing. Then another quotation. The Lord of verse 16 is the Spirit which gives us life. Meaning, the Lord as here spoken of Christ is the Spirit is identical with the Holy Spirit. This is quotation from Aford. Dean Aford was the top authority in studying the Greek word of the New Testament in the last century. Then another quotation, that transforming and indwelling spirit is Christ himself. The Lord is the Spirit. Williamson Walker. Why I did this, to quote three writers' writings, to show you, don't think this is just something mentioned or ministered by myself. No, through the centuries, trustworthy, top Bible scholars, they all saw the same thing.
1: Bob here, witnessly. um, quotes three scholars of the 19th century, Marvin Vincent, uh, Dean Henry Alford, who was dean at Canterbury, and uh, an American theologian named Williston Walker, who was a great church historian, all three commenting on these verses come to the same conclusion, and you really have to twist and turn to try to come up with anything other than what the Bible says, don't you?
2: That's right. We should not do this. We should simply accept what the Bible says. When the Bible says something... That doesn't match our preconceived idea, or when we simply have a little problem uh, explaining it, <laughs> uh, we should simply accept it in faith. Here, Second uh, Corinthians three seventeen could not be clearer: the Lord is the Spirit. Christ, who is the Lord, is identical with the Holy Spirit, and uh, also we have another verse uh, in Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, where it says that. Uh, the Son who is given to us is also called the Eternal Father. Here we have the Son is the Father. How can the Bible say that the Son is the Father and the Son is the Spirit? It's because the Son and the Father and the Son and the Spirit co inherit They live in each other and they are inseparable. This does not mean that the Son and the Father and the Son and the Spirit are not also distinct. They are distinct. The Son is the Son, the Father is the Father, and the Spirit is the Spirit. But because they also dwell in each other, we have to uh, agree they can never be separated. So the Bible can say in simplicity, the Son is called the Eternal Father and the Lord is the Spirit Mm. because they can never be separated. When we have the Son, we have the Father When we have the Son, we also have the Spirit.
1: Uh, A strong proof that the three are and can never be separated is from Revelation chapters 4 and 5. Revelation chapter 4, the Spirit there is spoken of as the seven spirits of God. John is receiving this revelation in spirit, and he sees before the throne Seven spirits, the seven spirits of God. Then in chapter 5, verse 6, he says, And I saw in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders a lamb standing, of course, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, having just been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. So the seven spirits... Identifying the spirit there in the sevenfold intensification that we see in Revelation are the eyes of the Lamb. Here's Witness Lee.
3: In the book of Revelation, the third of the Trinity is the seven spirits of God. And these seven spirits are the seven eyes of the second of the Trinity. Can you see this? What you see the third person? is the eyes of the second person. You explain to me. What is this? So the person should not be used. Who can deny the book of Revelation? Who can deny the seventh spirit? Who can deny that the seventh spirit are the seven eyes of the Lamb? There are not such a thing that these are two separate persons. No, the third is the eyes of the second.
1: Bob, you are. Theologically more advanced than I am, I would say. Have you heard ever before this uh, connection of the seven spirits with the second of the three in the Godhead?
2: I would say, Chris, I've never heard this outside of uh, Brother Lee's ministry. But there it is Mm -hmm. in the book of Revelation. We know that the whole book of Revelation is a book of signs, a book of symbols with spiritual significance. Here in chapter uh, 1, verse 4, the seven spirits of God are mentioned clearly in the context of being the third of the Trinity. And then in chapter 5, verse 6, again we see, The seven spirits are the seven eyes of the Lamb who is Christ. How can you separate a person's eyes from the person himself? This, again, is a sign mm-hmm. showing us clearly that it's impossible to Separate the spirit from the son.
1: The spirit and the son are one. Hmm. Well, we have one short portion left, and this time, as I said early on, you can see now the Trinity throughout Scripture in many subtle ways that don't jump out you until your eyes begin to pick this up. A verse. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 that probably most have not connected with the Trinity or the Triune God but chapter 4 verse 6 says One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Once again, let's go back to Witness Lee.
3: Hallelujah. Competent of Christ. Thread letters with the Spirit and the Spirit is of God. Amen. These are not three. These are one. Amen. Yet three. Amen. There are three one. Hallelujah.
0: Amen.
3: Well, this may bother you, but this is divine truth.
0: Amen.
3: The sin says, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Amen. And uh, in Ephesians 4, when it comes to the Father, the Father God is above all. It's through all and in all. Amen. Why concerning the one Father, three descriptions: okay. above all, through all, and in all. What is this? Amen. Even the Father Himself is three.
1: Yeah.
3: Above, <laughs> this is the source, the Father. Through, this is the cause, the Son. Amen. In you, this is the indwelling,
0: Amen.
3: the Spirit. Just this kind of definition of three aspects of description. What is this? Is this three fathers or one father? The traditional, fundamental theology is all systematized. But theology cannot be systematized. You even cannot systematize a human physical life, even you yourself cannot be systematized. How could human mentality systematize the unlimited God? Amen. No wonder Saint Augustus told us if you are going to analyze the trying God, it's just like using a little deeper to measure the ocean. It's impossible. Forget about it. Competent of the second. Thread living errors with the third amen. of the first. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.
1: Bob, I, I appreciated especially how we ended here. Uh, hallelujah, hallelujah, amen, because you come to a point there's really nothing more you can say and it takes me back to something you said a moment ago that I, I would like to pick up as our theme at the end here and that is that We just have to receive the divine revelation in faith because our ability uh, even to presume we could systematize the divine unlimited God is really beyond our measure, our portion, isn't it? It certainly
2: is, Chris. Actually, uh, we cannot systematize our limited human being, as Witness Lee pointed out. Man is three parts, body, soul, and spirit. Mm -hmm. Those three parts are distinct, but they cannot be separated. They're all part of one complete human being. We just cannot systematize the triune God. We simply need to accept the revelation of the Scriptures. When we are in simplicity, receive this revelation as it is, without attempting to systematize, we find ourselves enjoying this wonderful person. We find that the Father becomes real to us, the Son in His redeeming and life-giving become real, and the Spirit in his indwelling becomes so real and so rich and we realize that the one who indwells us is the triune god he's one but he's three even within us he's the father the son and the spirit distinct but never separate when we received the lord at the time of our believing yeah. we received the entire divine trinity for our eternal enjoyment
1: and participation well we cannot fully understand or grasp the magnificence of the triune God but as you said we can enjoy we can receive and in a very real measure we can experience God the Father God the Son God the Spirit marvelous it is too marvelous Bob thank you two days in a row here we've had you we appreciate that uh, you've perform double duty for us and hope you can come back again soon. It's always a pleasure, Chris. Well, we are very short of time today. we covered a lot of material. Let me just leave you quickly our toll-free number. We hope you'll contact us about the printed Life Study message. Our toll-free number to find out about the Life Study message is 1-888-LIFE-STUDY 888-543-3788 Please join us again tomorrow as we conclude this week of Life Studies from the Book of Second Corinthians. For Bob Danker, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. Dear Lord, we give
0: 1984 Witness Lee spoke a series of 51 messages based on God's New Testament economy, which is his plan to dispense himself into his chosen, redeemed and regenerated people as their life and everything to produce the body of Christ, which is his corporate expression as golden lampstands in this age and ultimately as the new Jerusalem for eternity. These messages have been printed in the book God's New Testament Economy. God's New Testament Economy by Witness Lee from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere. Or you can order by calling 1-888-543-3788.